What's going on, everybody? This is Ryan. We're coming at you again on the Anti-Art Podcast with another great guest episode. This week, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Troy and Eve. But along with that, uh, I'm very happy to announce that we got a great guest for this week, editor of the Chapo Trap House podcast, co-host of the Hall of Presidents podcast on Stitcher Premium, and co-creator, co-host of the And Introducing podcast with his wife, Molly. I'm pleased to announce that we have Chris Wade on the episode this week. Uh, Really excited for this one. This is one I've been preparing for for quite a while. So I'm really excited for this one. Uh, One thing I just want to note in the beginning, uh, Chris's audio is as crisp and clear uh, just like it is on all of his other shows of course because he has uh, adobe edition which i think we should all actually end up getting but you know besides the point um i was able to splice in his really good audio with our kind of shitty zoom audio um so i was able to frankenstein monster an episode out the content is all there you're going to be able to hear everything but there's going to be some spots usually after he's done talking or after he starts talking where there's going to be some weird uh, fading and doubling up and a bunch of weird audio shit that I'm sure is going to know this shit out of Chris if he listens to this one. But, um, <clears throat> anyway, um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to toss the episode just based on that or just use the zoom audio because, you know, Chris sent me his audio and it was really good. So I wanted to try. So whatever, if the audio wasn't the best, you guys are just gonna have to deal with it. Cause this is a, this is a, one of our best and most comprehensive, uh, creatively and thematically, uh, episodes that we've ever done. So, um and on top of that you know i'm not really too into chapel i've only seen a couple episodes but i know that they're a pretty uh political podcast a very patriotic podcast um you know what i mean they're they're men of they're men of america so you know I, i'm gonna need you all to get up out of your seats get up out of your chairs at your office or you know your mom's basement or whatever and stand up for the national anthem thank you anti-art podcast episode 34 cool uh very excited for this episode uh one of our biggest guests yet uh the editor (laughs) of uh of the number one podcast on patreon is that still true that is not still true. Um, we got surpassed by a uh, last summer, I think, by a podcast called True Crime Obsessed, which I would encourage everybody to go just look up to uh, to, to see the the caliber of podcasting that, that surpasses us. Oh, OK. <laughs> I got you. Um, but anyway, Chapel Trap House, still one of my favorite podcasts. Still, you know, still still racking in the money. You guys are doing really good. <laughs> uh, on top of that, I'm also a huge fan of your uh, and introducing podcasts. Um, Thank just you. listen yeah just just listen to the metallica episode uh way way crazier than i thought i never i've never seen that documentary i didn't know it went in that in depth yeah that's definitely uh one of the classics of rock docs that i had also not seen uh, as i mentioned in the episode for whatever reason even though i always knew that it was something that i would like and was highly recommended by fans of music documentaries but yeah it's it's a pretty amazing documentary the the classic type of documentary where they start filming for one thing and then realize halfway through they're getting something totally different out of it uh but it's a lot of fun to watch even if you're not a metallica fan yeah no i got you because uh, troy saw that one too and, and the, the thing that stuck out to the two of us was um that they had the therapist on tour that was the, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the ther- therapist was like yo i have to stay with the band all the time for the entire <laughs> tour i need to 
Uh, yeah, that guy that guy is pretty sketch. But honestly, live in therapist for some bands, uh, it seems like they could use it. Um, yeah, I, I wanted to actually watch that uh, Metallica documentary before I didn't have uh, too much time, but I'm definitely going to watch that tomorrow because like the way you guys talk about it is just like so um, you guys go so in depth with it. You know what I mean? You really make it seem like an enticing documentary. Like it's crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think something about it resonated with both of us, with both me and my uh, my co-host slash wife, Molly, um, about the 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 thing that I it, we were always told or it was always mentioned to me that this is a documentary about a band being a bunch of, uh, you know, whiny entitled uh, brats and, and, you know, this heavy metal band being a bunch of losers. But the thing that really resonated with me is like trying the, the, the travails of having to produce something creative in a group and it, when the stakes are really up, when you're one of the biggest bands in the world, how intense of a process that could be uh and how it's it's hard when you're like obligated to keep making stuff all the time to uh find a way to make that work between four very different people uh so i i think that there's a lot to be sympathetic in that documentary as well as stuff to be uh you know to laugh at and and ridicule i i agree and even just between the three of us it's hard to like manage like a small music page on instagram like i couldn't imagine a multi-million dollar like contract and like the drums sound like shit and everybody's just yeah. like oh <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yes exactly oh that's crazy yeah another episode i watched um uh or listened to rather of uh, and introducing that i thought was really interesting was the um the kanye episode you do with um felix oh yeah that was a bit ago the context of that is interesting because it was at a time i think that he that kanye was going on of one of his now legendary uh you know tw- twitter rants um, and this one seemed exceptional, but even now I can't even remember what time it was or, or, or around what incidents in his life. Oh yeah, it was the uh, it was it the was, MAGA hat the MAGA hat on Twitter. Okay, yeah, yeah, and people were really yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> was that the one when he was just like like everybody already knows like I'm the black guy from Get Out like everybody knows this. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's going wild with it. Yeah, and I I think that um, you know, Kanye as a person versus Kanye his music is is a kind of an eternal uh modern pop culture debate and it, i i don't know it is one of the more fascinating ones and one of the hardest to separate because the stories of his songs and albums and the story of his life are some of the more interconnected of the uh of of modern musicians you know yeah i was going to say like yeah i feel like whenever like kanye like like comes out with like, any music like like us like as fans like we know exactly like where he's at kind of like mentally you know what i mean where yeah. like or like, like he'll like sing or rap about like his situation, his specific situations of just like uh, like you know like I've all these like bitches on me right now. Like I need to like <laughs> you you know what I mean? We're like, yeah. like okay, like yes, like we're with you, Kanye, in, in the in the Mercedes Benz Stadium. Like we totally get it. <laughs> yeah, I actually went to the second uh, viewing event. It was and it was like the most narcissistic, but also really cool event I've ever seen live. Oh yeah, it's because I saw you guys posting from there. Uh, can you tell me a little more about what that that was like? Just because you know, I saw the stills, but but I was trying to grasp what the whole thing as an experience was. Yeah, basically. Um, so the like two weeks before, maybe three weeks weeks before, he had uh, premiered his album uh, Donda, just like in its bare bones form, just like with very basic chord progressions, very flat. Like it just didn't sound finished, and it was just mm-hmm. him in the stadium just pointing. And like a red jacket so everybody was like very confused and then two weeks later he comes back with this new album premiere essentially and this one was a little bit more detailed he had like maybe 300 to 400 like extras dressed in all black 
um, all throughout the stadium. And they just surrounded him like a plague of people <laughs> while he was doing push-ups and uh, lifting weights and like <laughs> making phone calls. Yeah, he was yelling at Mike Dean on the phone. Uh, I think that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, he called the producer. The, he called the producer who is who produces album and the whole event. And he was like, the mix is fucked up. Like, you need, you need to change it. <laughs> I do really appreciate in addition to you know his, his music his his sense of presentation around these things I, I definitely think he's that's one of the more fascinating uh things about Kanye in the way that he presents uh his his music like nobody else who's working today would think of something like those Donda premieres where it's like I'm just going to play the album in a stadium but I'm going to present it as like an immersive like it's like stepping inside his brain yeah know? yeah yeah literally it was like stepping inside his brain and for weeks he was inside my brain because like i was just like <laughs> when is this album coming out like this song sounds good this song sounds bad like what does this song mean like what are these cryptic bars he's talking about drake uh mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so it was really interesting it was like it was like uh, uh being john malkovich or something but like <laughs> like a purgatory form uh we we saw uh most of one of his uh, Sunday services uh, at when he did it live at uh, Coachella. And that was also very interesting. I, I like, I like to say this a lot on and intro. It's like not my thing, but I really appreciated what he was trying to go for. It was very austere. It was very slow. It was very deliberate. Um, but you know, then when he intended to be very celebratory again, it, it felt like, a very accurate representation of kind of stepping inside his mind at the time that he was making that album and that music in a way that was like not a very traditional concert, but very interesting for how that was put on. And I think like a lot of the people who showed up for it were expecting him to just like kind of uh, blast some Kanye hits in a like Sunday morning setting and we're not necessarily prepared, but then also everybody was like, we have no idea what this is going to be. So I don't know. It, it's interesting. He has a very interesting way of, of putting out music in a live setting. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. It, it's like some artists have rollouts. I think Kanye's entire thing is like performance art, where it's like, you know, like the, the entire like spectacle around the album is like also a part of like, you know, the gift that you get with the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It feels like the, um, and everybody always kind of complains about this. I mean, God, remember, I'm a Fix Wolves. Uh, people have like made this into a joke, but it's like the way that he releases the album is almost as essential or more essential. I don't even know what the album art is for Donda, but uh, it's black. But it is like it's it's like the album art or something. It's like this is a part of the package of what this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you know people find it. Some people find it obnoxious. Some people find it maybe more fascinating than it is. I don't know. It's interesting it's always very interesting yeah definitely um and we were talking a little bit in the dms about like um basically like the structure of how this episode would go and and i was thinking about it in my head and i was kind of just like thinking about exactly what i would say or how we would take it or whatever and one thing that stuck out to me in your metallica episode was um a quote that you actually said i actually wrote it down (laughs) you said um being quoted i yeah i love this quote you said podcasting is not about conceits or concepts it's about having fun with your friends um and i i think that you accidentally like basically uh introduced the format for our podcast because that's literally (laughs) exactly what we do over here um most of the time we're high or we're drunk or whatever we i think all of us are sober for this episode (laughs) i'm i'm sober for this one i just have my water 
because this was kind yeah, of a, this is honestly a very big interview for me to be honest <laughs> with you. So, uh, so I'm I'm keeping my clear head, but you know, just invite you into the the, the friend circle here, and um, and I I think um another thing that you said in the in the DMs that I thought was very interesting, you said um basically uh our our page is kind of like an intersection between music and culture and it's kind of like a digital like moving zine yeah well i'll do i'll do both of those in order um yeah the the podcasting is about having fun with fun with your friends thing is something i've been thinking about more um and maybe it's a bit defensive but i think i I was thinking about that in reference to there was like a new yorker article about chapo a while around that time at the beginning of august that was basically like uh, their subjects are all over the place. They don't have as like focused, studious like uh, you know examinations as this other podcast that I like. And I think a lot of writing about podcasts about what they're about, what they do, especially in the political genre about like why you would listen to these people versus some other people, is that the essential thing that most people come to podcasts for is relationships and is hearing um people who like each other and make each other laugh or entertain each other or make each other think or with you know have a thoughtful conversation you know it's about uh relationships it's it's about uh you know enjoying uh spending time in other people's friendships and i think that that is one of the more essential things specific to the medium of podcasting because it is so natural people talk about like the parasocial relationship of these things but usually when there's a podcast um with more than one host uh you know part of the thing that you're coming for is the relationship between the two the two or three or four hosts or whatever and um being a part of their friendship and i think that most pods fail when they don't ha- or pods that i don't particularly like or, or don't think succeed on their own terms are usually when they lack that essential thing is that the you know the hosts are literally having fun and i think that that can also mean like you know when i think about other shows i like like history shows that are just one guy's talking you have to hear the um the passion in it and maybe it's them just uh you know i hope this doesn't sound too too lewd but you know having fun with themselves something you know again i'm thinking of like in the context of the history podcast i like like revolutions or something where the it is one person driving themselves insane in a fun way with like a a, a project that perhaps no one else on earth would uh want to do but they find the fun in it so yeah i think most things of uh in in this world you know good most good podcasts are essentially about friends having fun i, I think so i i agree and i i um don't understand exactly what they're saying about chapo because you got your the references that you guys pull out and all the facts that you guys always just have like on hand it's just like mesmerizing to me i'm like how the fuck do you just like pull this simpsons episode from like season seven like and then connect it to like the iraq war or some yeah. shit i'm like how the i'm like how the fuck did you make that connection and like it went over so flawlessly so i don't understand when, when they say that you guys are like uh don't have the all the facts or you guys aren't polished or whatever i i don't know i disagree and i think i think the fact that you guys are kind of like unpolished um in a sort of way makes you guys more relatable and honestly makes your points more uh less um less like they have something to let me see like they have an agenda yeah well i mean i'll then talk as a producer for a second because you know i came into chapo about 18 months after they started um i was outside i I was basically in uh 
web video. I, I made videos for various um, websites like uh, Slate.com or uh, if you guys remember Mike, M-I-C.com. Okay, yeah. Uh, they were like the woke millennial news site before they uh, expanded too fast and then completely collapsed. Um, but so I was in web video and, and uh, kind of being buffeted around by the whole pivot to video thing. And the thing that I really like to do is listen to podcasts. I was like, all right, this seems way more stable. People actually like these things as opposed to all these videos that I spend hours making that nobody actually watches. Um, so I was trying to get into that and as soon, and I was like listening to a bunch of professional podcasts and big comedy podcasts and, you know, news stuff, you know, from like NPR on. And when I first heard Chapo, even from the very first episode, you know, it was very unpolished. It was unedited. They didn't, um, the, the guys didn't have any recording equipment. I think they just basically recorded it over, not even a zoom, like a Google hangout and just released that. But the relationship was there. And those three guys who are the core of Chapo, I mean, you know, I don't know if anybody's tuning into this to listen to me sing the praises of my, the own ship, my own show I work on, but there was something, uh, praise away. There was a, there was a spark to immediately from their very beginning, a spark to those three guys and their relationships. And they were clearly having fun and pulling, as you mentioned, some references that I had were well outside what you normally hear, especially in political podcasting. And, you know, I, was very much like the, the, even though this sounds like shit uh audibly yeah <laughs> uh, there's something here to these guys and you know i started following them and you know periodically dm them about um doing extra work if they ever had it or just saying you know i produce podcasts and eventually i uh, went to a live show of theirs when i was <laughs> after i'd been unemployed for like like fired from mike and like unemployed for almost a year uh and just ran into them at a live show and ran into matt and was like um Hey, I'm that guy that periodically DMs about if you need any new podcast producers. And he was like, well, that's interesting you should say that because our old guy, Brendan, is quitting like yesterday. So I ran it, went in that weekend and started producing it. And that was uh, four years ago, almost four years ago. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, so that's my that's my Chapo origins. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I couldn't imagine it starting out as a Google Hangout because like listening, listening to you guys like um listening to the way you produce and the way you edit like troy was saying before like the i don't know if it was you who edited the um the 9-11 episode with like the in the club and and the and news like about Bullish. like yeah and go ahead yeah. Tan, hussein like like apologists and then it goes like the country music and like in the club like it's just like all these different references that we all understand but just all mixed together so quickly and so well done that it's just like this is awesome thank you i really appreciate whenever i get the chance to do little to like flex the the producing and editing muscles on there i mean not every episode calls for it i mean especially some you know more serious interviews or more somber stuff it's just like you know put the little tag at the beginning put an outro song let the interview and the discussion uh speak for itself but i do like when i get to play around and do stuff like that uh because it you know it's it's a lot of fun and i feel like you can get something across like a mood across that helps sell everything and you know, I appreciate working on our tight turnarounds for Chapo. I mean, I don't know how much it is, how easy it is to tell on this, but every, almost every single episode is re- that we do is recorded on the day that it's put out. So my edits are usually, oh, like, shit. I have like six hours, six to eight hours to turn around because I'm trying to get them out before midnight, A, so I can go to bed and B, just so I can vaguely sk- stick to a schedule. But, you know, I like, I like to edit against pressure and see what I can do in a small amount of time and um it 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 keeps it challenging and fun and engaging and i 
like any chance I can to build a little soundscape to, to sell an idea or a concept. Yeah, I like doing that too, like on a small level, like like once in a while, like like on a very small level. Like there was one episode we were talking about Drake Bell, the dude from Jake and Josh, mm-hmm. and how he got arrested for uh, like child endangerment and all this like, crazy shit. And uh, I played like the ladies and gentlemen, we got them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as we, as Troy said it. And that, that was a proud moment for me. Cause I was yeah. like, I was like, God damn, that sounds, <laughs> that shit is. <laughs> yeah. That was a really good part of our episode. I really like that. <laughs> um, but I wanted to kind of move on to a, a slightly different point, kind of like uh, shifting from podcasts almost to a different form of media, which is Instagram. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to talk about, about that zine idea. I don't know if that's what you're moving to. Oh, yeah, exactly. I yeah. wanted to mention that. And I wanted to just give a couple shout outs to a couple other music pages that I really like, um, similar to mine. Uh, um, Slint Memes for Tweez Tweens is one of them. Mm-hmm. or uh, That's a really good one. Screams and Mersbow is another good one. But um, just talking in general about, you know, uh, reviews on Instagram and, and interviews on Instagram and kind of turning Instagram into like the new Tumblr as far as like, like, um, um sharing you know music ideas and and people interacting um i just wanted to get like an outsider's perspective from somebody that like views our page and likes our and actually does like our posts like mm-hmm. w- what is what does our page look like to you and like what like w- uh what do you enjoy about it so that that is the thing that when i was first turned on to your your page i believe you were first talking to molly about this um that i found instantly interesting about it is that i had not seen instagram used for in that format and it's funny that you know the carousel feature of instagram does give you that feeling of flipping pages in a book but you can't put too much in there so it does at least to me the first thing that picked out that i picked up on this was like oh this is like a digital music zine it's like each post has like a few uh pages that have either reviews or commentary or jokes or just collages of of artists that you pull and and to me that experience of the classic like xerox zine immediately jumped out and was something i had not seen on instagram before and frankly i mean i don't spend that much time on instagram um i have to have molly show me how uh, the stories work quite frequently because every, it's like <laughs> every time i log into it they've changed the interface and added more things and i i i can't can barely use it and i feel like that is one of the uh you know the oldest or uh I, I, you know boomerish things that i've ever been caught on mike saying but <laughs> oh my goodness uh you know got it here first <laughs> <laughs> but i have not seen instagram used to basically like publish an ongoing magazine like that before and, and that caught me in and i i think that you know instagram's obviously a very popular site but it's you know i think for its best is that it's kind of siloed from the discourse wars in its own way uh you know it's not just like posts on twitter which are immediate like immediately in a context of you know some of the most rabid and um you know uh, self-regarding or insane people online or facebook which is just a morass of like garbage content um <laughs> yeah, really like, it's all, all in all directions it's all bottom um, tier content basically yeah you can't really use reddit for like a as like a publishing platform in any way that really makes sense because it you know functions through the upvotes and you can only like design a page so much so yeah and it, obviously tumblr has been slowly dismantled by its yahoo overlord so it's like where do you publish that kind of blog style post that can in- incorporate graphics that can incorporate uh, engagement with fans but in a siloed off like comments section yeah yeah um you know that can do stuff both over the stories and over the main feeds 
and I've I've just not seen people using the the site like that, and I find it very interesting because you can respond to things either very quickly. I mean, and you guys do a good job of this of like either you know posting just quick bites, one sentence, even just phrase reviews of new singles to reviews like i was reading your uh which i thought was a very thoughtful review of the Lil nas x album today which is basically the headline cover and then like four full pages of just text on the uh on the carousel how i like it yeah yeah (laughs) i mean i don't know i i think it's it's interesting i would love to see people do it for different formats i think it would be really interesting to do like i don't know a movie or a a cine zine in the same way um I, i or even just like I don't know anything pop culture gossip uh, any of the types of things that you know, oh we got it all on, oh yeah yeah on we got... like live journal communities or stuff like that yeah we we get into we get uh, a little bit of the as you were saying about like the siloing off and and the differences between Twitter and Instagram I get a little bit of like the drama on uh on on Instagram sometimes yeah I was gonna say we definitely have a little bit yeah. of the discourse wars in our comment section yeah as as we're getting more popular it's a little toasty sometimes it, it, yeah. yeah it used to be it used to be all just like great job like great graphics and now it's like <laughs> I have I have Azealia Banks telling me to grow some balls. Am I yeah yeah I like I like I like Azalea a lot. In in some ways, she is obviously very te- testy. But hey, I'm sure you were pleased that she was mad at you. Oh, so I'm pleased. Oh yeah, we were hype. Yeah, we want to get into like t-shirts and shit. Like we're <laughs> we're so excited that that it happened. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, one thing that I appreciate is it. It seems like you guys are, you know, you're trying to maintain a fairly like. No, these are just like are trying to be objective thoughts here not trying to be, be oh, yeah. like all right you know drake hive come at me here's all here's all my 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 harshest criticism for this fucking bastard fuck him we all sit there with olivia rodrigo yeah yeah, yeah that, no no we, I, yeah that was a that was an interesting one um uh, but but yeah um i know i see what you're saying i i um i try and see the humanity and things just like you guys do with your and introducing podcasts like whenever you whenever you talk about kanye metallic even when you're talking about metallica like they were like you know the biggest like douchebags of like, the early 2000s with the copyright stuff and with the yeah, yeah. napster stuff mm-hmm. you still found the humanity so i don't know with everything i try and learn a little bit of something from something and i guess from your guys's podcast that's one of the things i learned to try and not like uh you know they're people too drake might not see it but his fans will see it and i might ruin somebody's day by calling him a bastard or this and that and i don't like that's not what i want to do i just want to say the music is bad yeah exactly what i also i think especially doing an intro has really kind of made me rethink like how i approach music especially at the high like pop commercial level uh is just how complicated of an endeavor like a big pop album is unless you're one of the like singular stars who can just like go into the lab and completely on your own make an album uh and then just deliver it to a label and they're like yep no we'll put it out i don't know if you're like trent Reznor or something yeah Um, right but if you're like somebody like olivia rodrigo that is an album that is the work of hundreds of people Mm -hmm. uh and you know, she might be the creative driver of it. She might be working on a team. From what I have heard or from reading an ever-expanding team of songwriters. But, you know, it, it, there's a lot that goes in to make this thing a commercial product. And so, it, in a way, I, I feel like the, you know, maybe a more Gen X way to look at that would be like, and that makes it bullshit that, a, that it's a fucking industrial product. But yeah. 
you know, it's it's an industrial. It is an industrial product. Like a movie is an industrial product. It takes thousands of creative right. people. Yeah, it's not just Quentin Tarantino. It's not just yeah. Quentin. You know what I mean? There's yeah, the editor. Just, there's a million other people. Right. Yeah, the people who build the sets, who like you bring the sandwiches to the 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 set every day. You know, and I think thinking about those, you know, super S tier pop productions like that, or like that Metallica album, um, is not just as more than just the, the the singular vision of a specific person but but a product that needs to be negotiated and it, it helps me have more sympathy for these artists and and have more sympathy for the music and and i don't know be more generous to it because it's a complicated endeavor making an, an olivia rodrigo album oh yeah you're absolutely right and i think i think like you know i come from like a film background too so it's like there's always been like this you know, argument between like the balance between like capitalism and like art but like mm-hmm. art is always going to be like a business at the end of the day and like that's why i think like some artists like billy eilish like olivia rodrigo like who can like make a pop album that's like also really good are just like super exceptional and like kind of deserve like it made me reconsider how harsh i was on some of like you know the criticisms of like some of those artists yeah and i think it you know I also think that that this is something that happens to almost all hardcore music fans is that, you know, you start off when you're younger and music is identity and it's something that you build your identity around and what you like and don't like then become part of your ways of like defining yourself and who you are, not only within like subcultures, but also just in terms of like creating a specific taste that then is like one of the few things is like a teen that you can actually like own yourself. And that means heightening the things that you don't like often as much as it means heightening the things that you like. And I think you hope, I, I, I hope to, and at least this is my experience is that, it, you know, you kind of at a certain point realize it's more fun to like more music. Right. Like right. To like more shit. music. Like, like just like more shit. Right. Yeah. And so I, I think that that like kind of getting that Eureka, I don't know, for me somewhere in my like mid twenties, early mid twenties was like a, a such a liberating moment to just be like, Oh yeah, I, I, there's no reason that I can't like, you know, Britney Spears or LMFAO or Olivia Rodrigo. Um, these are all just opportunities to expand the things I like. And certainly it doesn't mean that I have to like everything. Uh, but again, that usually comes down to me trying to separate the things that I like and don't like versus the things that I consider are good and bad, you know? So yeah, that makes like a ton of sense. Cause like, I mean, just like us even starting like a music review page, it's just like, like we'll listen to an album and really like it. But then like, we got kind of like separate like our own biases and stuff and just be mm-hmm. like, all right, but like, is this like a good album or is it, or do I just really like Olivia yeah. Rodrigo or something? Did, not to be like a dead horse or anything. Of- I mean, she, she's the one, she's the big pop act that put out an album. And, and also I think that it's one of those things where, you know, you, you see a lot of people, at least in my social cohort where they have that immediately reaction with like, this is too young and too new. I, I cannot identify with <laughs> yeah. in any way. That, that was kind of my review. That was that's an interesting uh, thing. That's interesting that you said that because like that was kind of my thing. I was just like, okay, I'm going to give this a C, but I understand that I'm not 18 years old. I didn't. I also didn't go through these things when I, I was know. 18 because I'm not a girl. Oh so it's like double not for me. But I'm yeah. still a music critic, so I still have to give it a grade, and and I know that it's going to be popular. So you know what I mean. I can't just always put out things that I want to put out because. Because the things that I like get like what like ninety likes or something, or sometimes I get a lot because it's like Arca or like Sophie or things that other people like. But like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like I had to review the Olivia Rodrigo one, of course. You know, I yeah. got to do it. And like, I I feel grateful that I don't do that much like music criticism. 
uh, because it seems incredibly stressful. Uh, but you know, that is the, I feel like that is, you know, I guess, I guess maybe I'm asking you guys is like, how do you deal with that thing? Cause the, the other end of, of it would be like, am I pandering? Am I mm-hmm. grading this on a curve? Because I know, because I have sympathy for the people who would like it, you know, am I factoring that mu- too much in, in my objective appraisal of something, you know? That that happens sometimes because like it it gets hard because as I um as we kind of like um move on we start to actually like get friends online like I was just uh, interviewing an artist uh, Mia yeah. Madden who's in Brooklyn who's really cool and she makes really good music but um yeah it definitely gets harder as we get uh, bigger because as we get bigger more people are gonna like want to be our friend mm-hmm. and like being your being your friend means like a good review sometimes yes um so it's hard to it's hard really hard to balance that so I always try and um. Uh, and only talk to artists and only talk to people that I like genuinely like their shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean? Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a good pol- policy. Uh, I mean, it it will, <laughs> that will conflict if you get like PR people pitching you, you know, like, uh, Hey, uh, God, I don't even, even know who, who would be p- pitching for a new album. Hey, uh, do, do you want to talk to young thug for something? And you're like, uh, yeah, maybe, but the new album's not good. Like, what am I going to do? You know, like yeah. maybe a year from now or something, depending on how the, the show grow, grows, then you have to be like, am I going to turn down this thing just because I don't like the new album, you know? Yeah, 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 definitely. I I, yeah. I could totally see that. Um, but if you're listening to this, though, you could come through anytime. Bro. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure punk is going to be great. And you have a lot of other classics. Yeah, a lot of times, sometimes what I'll do is I'll go like grade Just once in a while, I'll do that. Like, um, I don't want to say what specific artist, but like certain artists, like I don't think the album is like the best thing in the world. It's it's definitely like a vibe and it's good. But on Pitchfork, they'll put a 7.5 and the artist will repost it as something good. But they'll see a C from us, which is the exact same grade. And they'll just like won't yeah. even look at it. So sometimes well, I have to go grade and just and just set it up as like almost like a promo or like a spotlight type thing. Sometimes I do that. What do you guys think about uh, rating mu- music, literally numerical ratings and music reviews in general? Uh, yeah, you can start with that, Troy. What do you think? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I feel like like numerical, like like I don't know, like how's an album like eight point seven? You, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just like how, how does it get point three off of that? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like that's why I kind of like how like we do like more like letter grades and stuff because it's kind of like more general and like kind of like. But like also specific too, like like a B is different than like a B plus, like you know, mm-hmm. and like and then we talk about in the review of like what gives it the plus, like what like exactly we like about it specifically, because like I feel like I don't know, you know, like 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 Anthony Fantano, like he just gets so like nitpicky sometimes when it comes to those grades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I obviously look obviously assigning numbers to shit is fun. I I I almost think it makes more sense for like people starting out and trying to like make their marker or like project to people what potentially like new fans, readers, listeners, what their taste is or like what you, you know, the scope of, of the reviews or, or, you know, what you're going to get from this thing is. But like, I don't know. I was thinking about this today as I was thinking of logging on is like, I I kind of came to the idea that pitchfork, I feel like pitchfork should have had to abandon doing numerical grades when they sold, to Condé. Oh yeah. That, like at that point, it's just like the, the new numbers on pitchfork appear to, at this point only seem to be there to like drive hate clicks or, you know, fan clicks or, or anything. It doesn't really seem to mean. Oh, definitely. Anymore. Oh, they get Peppa uh, Pig. They get Peppa Pig that like British cartoon. She made an yeah, album. Yeah. 
um, which was a good album. You know what I mean? Peppa is like one of the best in the game that right now, but they gave her a 6.8 and they give <laughs> and they give Kanye a six. And that's just the craziest shit to me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on. No. See, like, I'm the I, guy who likes the 0.7s because like, or like the, the, the numerical grades, because like, I'll be listening to an album and I'll be like, yo, Ryan does not want to see another B plus or this thing. So like sometimes <laughs> I'll be like, I'll be like, I really just want to give it like an 8.8. You know what I mean? Mm. Like it's not an 8.9. It's not a, but I like, I understand, like, I understand like when you really want to like differentiate, I guess, between like tiers of music, like you can get nit, uh, nitpicky like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But like, I, I, yeah, I mean, I get like, I don't, I don't like giving like shit like a C if mm. I think it's like a little bit better than a C, you know. Well, that's what the C plus is for, you know. Like, makes people think it's a B, and then it's like it's not a, it's not close to a B, but it's like yeah. yeah. The, the yeah, way I yeah. the way I usually rate things, it's like if I know that the artist will see it, which is becoming more and more frequent and kind of scary, honestly, like surprisingly <laughs> so. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I didn't think that would happen. I thought I could just talk my shit and that would be it for the rest of eternity. But like um, a C minus to a C plus, people don't understand that means that I like it. And everybody thinks that a C minus is bad or a C is like trash. But it's really it is that I like it when it gets into the D range is where I, it's varying degrees of boring or bad or mm-hmm. like when it gets to an F, it's just like complete garbage. But see, that's that's the funny thing about the different forms of rating, because then when you think of the grade system, which is basically like a what A, B, C, D, F, that's like a five, basically a five star system. And if you see a C in a letter grade Mm -hmm. versus a two and a half on like a five star system, you know, the two and a half, you know, if you see that for a movie, you're like. All right, if it's like an action movie that you check out the first blurb of the review, okay, this is fun. It's not good, but you're going to go in and like watch, you know, whatever. People get blown up for two for two hours and have a good time. You know, it's not going to win an Oscar. That like makes more sense. But then you see a C on an album and you're like, whoa, wow, they really <laughs> fucked up on this. You know? yeah. yeah, I think I need to maybe make it more clear. It's hard on Instagram because stuff just always disappears and it always like just keeps yeah, yeah. getting put down. I wish I could pin it to the top just like, yo, if... If you're an independent artist and I give you a C, that means that you should keep working a little bit harder to get a B minus or something, but you're doing very good. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Let's see that sophomore effort. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I say that, I say that a lot of times too. I say that there's a lot of potential. A C, a C minus or a C for me is like, is is a lot of potential, like uh, waiting to be capitalized on. That's how I feel. That's like that, uh, the middle school grading of needs improvement. Yeah, right. Needs improvement. <laughs> I'm oh going to just God. start putting that on. Yeah, people man. checks and check pluses. Yeah, and exactly. Check pluses. <laughs> Throw some stickers on the reviews too. Just like, nice job. Just yeah, yeah. Yeah. stick that on there. But but if I really if I really like the artist, sometimes I'll just do like a quick showcase with, with no grades or something like that. Or I just won't grade it like if I don't want to insult them or something like that. But if, it, if it's like, yeah, Nas X, I know he's not going to reach me. And if he does, it would just bring crazy amounts of clicks to our page. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> the win-win, you know? Yeah, I mean, that is one of the things of like existing in this internet ecosystem where it's like, yeah, I, and this is the nature of all online stuff is like, you can try to be very, uh, I don't know, have integrity with your review, little review project here and, and, and do it because, you know, you like it and you want to create something that you don't see and also want to be like honest and passionate about music. But then you get plugged into this thing where people get like death threats for giving a Taylor Swift like a below well like a 6.5 review and like that is on a continuum with what you're doing and it's just like a matter of how far you move up the continuum before you you have to be like 
like, all right, is the president of Capitol Records going to, like, be seeing this post and, like, putting out a fatwa on me or something? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, guess, yeah. Yeah, it's always like that when like we like interview like not interview uh do a review for like anyone like really big because I remember like when we like first started out like I wrote like a review on Ariana Grande's album and like you know to promote it like I would like go on other people's pages or on the hashtags and just be like hey like I like this post like you should check out the review I did I think I gave it like a C plus or something mm-hmm. and everyone all of her stands fucking hated it yeah <laughs> they're, they're all. <laughs> Well, just like go fuck yourself you're a fucking pussy and i'm just like Bro. <laughs> that was another funny thing when we were trying to get our reviews out there it used to be a lot harder because we didn't have a following we only had like 100 or 200 300 people so i used to just go on the hashtag and i would find like uh the, someone posting about whatever um you know nine inch nails or something like whatever i'm reviewing that week and i would send it to them and i would be like hey like check this review out i like your post like check our reviews or whatever but it would be increasingly difficult when we would give like yeah like c minuses f's d's because they'd be like why are you like i like ash nico was one that I could really remember. <laughs> I didn't like her album at all. And I sent it to all of her stands and I gave it like a D minus. <laughs> and they're like, well, how dare you? <laughs> well, you know, that's that's bold and like any clicks is that that's that's more that's a more potential networking into faves and stuff. I mean, again, that's like when you know, think about like previous networks. I mean, we just did this big se- series on the R band computer life bands, which had me thinking a lot about like the 80s and how independent acts would have to network between themselves then uh you know in a time when to actually like learn about a band you would need to like drive to a different city and like befriend a person there and be like all right where do the punk bands play and then like go to a place and then like maybe see a new band and then perhaps months later a a letter might appear (laughs) at a you know but you know it, it, it was still networking in a way you know it's it's still like making a zine and figuring out who the other people who make zines are and trading them and stocking them and getting them to put them in stores in different cities and getting the words out slowly around different places and it, it it's still all from that same impulse of like building a network of people who are talking about the same things it might be interesting the the new thing is being able to click a hashtag and find 10,000 obsessive like yeah. teenagers immediately and like bomb your link into into that thread uh and get up a whole shit ton of eyeballs in, immediately um i don't know really know where i'm going with that th- thought other than like it makes everything more interesting and more able to find the people who you like but also incredibly volatile oh yeah definitely i, I was going to follow up with that it's it's like almost like a, a complete um opposite like as you were saying but also in a negative way some somehow like um you were saying like going to each city and like trading zines and that kind of stuff and like that was like the way you would do it and, and it was very like difficult and like difficult in that way but now it's like there's a lot of bots and there's a lot of like people who are just just garbage in my dms like oh like like let me promote you to my page like five thousand dollars for like all these followers mm-hmm. this that like every single day so that's the uh, opposite yeah, I'll figure out how to. I figured out how to conclude that thought, which is that it, the impulse to, to network in, in that older, more manual way means that the people who you're going to get connected with are much more passionate and much more drilled into the single singular idea of what you are trying to do. It, be it like a har, you know a post hardcore zine or, or whatever. So th- that's still there. There's just a whole lot more noise. Uh, by people who might just be like drive-by fans or just going to like bomb an artist they love with a bunch of likes to, yeah, right. I don't know, score them internet points with a site that maybe people might see. But you're still going to find other people who are, you're be able to do that that same kind of like hyper-interested networking like 
the reason that we're talking is, is, you know, you find somebody like me who's like, oh, this is a project that has not just like, you know, I like because I like music, but it has something that I'm like structurally interested in, in, in how it's presented. Right. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of mutual interest stuff over the internet and like kind of finding like very, it's, it's all about finding very niche things. Cause I, you know, I, I could try and reach out to Ariana Grande, like good luck with that. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, but like even like, um, yeah, like, but, but it's, it's more easily accessible to reach out to people than ever. Even like uh, Felix, like once in a while, like, like uh, I'll post something and he'll react to it or vice versa. Like uh, we were talking about um, the baby and his whole controversy and stuff and, and the DMs. Felix is ve- Felix is very generous if you are if you are nice over DMs and, and have something that he's interested in talking about. I appreciate that he's very generous in, in, in talking about things. Yeah, he's a really cool guy. Um, I, I I didn't expect that. I didn't expect an answer, but he was just like going off about like he would just talk to me about like Roger Waters. He compared to Roger Waters to Little Baby somehow. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. How, I was like, you're making sense here. I like these points. Like, <laughs> I'll talk to you. I'll, we'll keep going. You know what I mean? It's funny. Yeah, Felix is uh, is obsession hopping is always very fun to ride because it is you know it's I I had certainly not thought about Pink Floyd in a long time and then you know uh, we were we were driving down to Atlantic City last month and I was like you know what I got to throw on the entirety of the wall for our drive because right. uh, Felix has been so into it and got to listen to an album that I haven't thought of in a while so you know it, it, it's nice to have these like random spurts of passion about things to make you reconsider uh you know classic works that you haven't thought about yeah or sables either one (laughs) (laughs) the other one that i have to look into is nba young boy because i know that he's been obsessed with him and i don't know anything about about that guy right now i think he's coming out with an album on friday so maybe we'll review that and uh tag him in it or something (laughs) (laughs) the fact that like chat like it's yeah this is this is crazy this is like that's a crazy (laughs) crossover right there (laughs) i try to keep abreast with like a lot of things but i'm very much not plugged into you know that young hip-hop uh scene Mm -hmm. so i don't know anything about nba young boy but you know what i'm very uh, very open to uh to hear to hear something yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the fact that he gets represent, like he gets NBA Young Boy. Like the- he was talking about NBA Young Boy for so long on the show the other day. He was talking yeah. about like he went from like NBA Young Boy to like Chicago Drill, and then he somehow tied that back into like the Iraq War. <laughs> I was just like, no, but that's the beauty of like the internet because like back at like I remember like a few years ago, like you know, only a really niche group of people knew who NBA Young Boy was. But it's like because of all these different communities that we were talking about earlier, like coming together. It's like you know, 2021, like, you know, Chris here is talking about, like, why Young Boy is better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that's the, again, like, going back to what I, you know, initially attracted me to Chapo as a project is that, as you were referencing, their ability to connect threads that I would not expect, like, you know, a bunch of uh, Simpsons referencing, you know, yuckheads, uh, but drilling into the, exactly what is so irritating about, you know, the most obscure political columnists who drive the, you know, overall media narrative of the day. But making those connections, like putting creating like weird Venn diagrams that you would have never thought, like analysis of the specific political moment after the uh, between 9-11 and the Iraq war and the development of hip hop trends over the past two decades. You know, it's not going to be for everyone. But the people who exist in that little overlap of the Venn diagram, it's going to make them hyper more interested in both those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Well, okay. well, I just I just follow. Like, was it ever challenging? Like, you know, when when you're dealing with like such a unique um, kind of show, like, 
in those early stages, uh, building that kind of audience and like sustaining it. Cause I feel like we have a very unique take on music and like, we've like done a good job of like building an audience that actually like likes the things that we have to say. So it's like, it's not so scary when we go out on a limb and we say like, you know, like a crazy opinion about an album, but like, is, was it the same with you guys with Chapo and like, yeah. Well, I think Chapo has been very blessed for the entirety of, you know, their run before I started and our run with me is that without even knowing it, because this was never their intention, their intention was to, have fun with their friends when they started the show. And also, and I believe in Matt's words, get a few more Twitter followers. But the thing that rocketed in to success and like continued success, I think is a combination of two things. One I think has been more commented on is that it fulfilled uh, a media hole. Like there just wasn't people, there weren't people giving commentary not thoughtful, knowledgeable commentary from that perspective of a, you know, young, um, disaffected, further left than the main, than the acceptable, uh, parameters of mainstream media and doing it in a reverent and funny way. And then the second part is tagging on that irreverent and funny thing is that I, I will sing their praises because I don't think anybody else will, is that the three of them happen to be, without even knowing it, very naturally talented broadcasters. Um, and they just happen to have this raw talent and be in this place that nobody else was speaking from that made them immediately tap into something that nobody else was tapping into and gave them enough of a meteoric rise that we've honestly never had to worry about sustaining an audience. Um so, which is nice, but you know, it, it's also with its downside because you know, when we when it comes to like doing more ambitious things or you know the the things that you know other people who are frankly hustling a little more would be trying to do to build their audience, I feel like it sometimes you know, and I hope they they wouldn't be upset to hear me say this, but you know, it kind of comes off as a little unnatural because we've always just been able to kind of do exactly what we want and know that the audience will come with us and i honestly think that that's one of the things that maintains this popularity is that it can be basically anything as long as the hosts are having fun with it it's it can be topics on the daily just riffing on the daily news reading uh reading from novels that were published by pundits years ago movie reviews uh interviews with tv creators um historical episodes it's like whatever um whatever the the, the hosts are passionate about that given moment uh, and that means that the show is incredibly diverse, which I think is also another thing that helps build and keep an audience is that you literally never know what the next episode of the show is going to be right. about. Or yeah. Right. Cause you guys don't even have social media. Like I tried to look for an Instagram. It doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. But you know, like we're, I, we were just talking about like, we just were having a call talk where we were like, we, we stopped tweeting from the show's account like two years ago. Yeah, we were like, maybe we should do that again and just see if it, if it see what happens, right? Yeah. yeah, see if anyone's there. You know, but you know that's that's also the thing is like if you don't like this episode, wait three days and a new episode that come will come out that's probably totally different. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you'll go from talking about shooter and then like, you'll have all these crazy musical trends like the, you know, the, <laughs> the fucking movie. It's yeah. so fun. It's such a funny movie. Um, but like you go from talking about that and then it'll go to like, uh, like Felix, like very seriously talking about Palestine for like an hour, no weird musical transitions, no this, yeah. no that lots of donation links, lots of like yeah. no references to anything. It's very, yeah, very cool. I like the way that you guys do that. And I like that you go off, uh, I like the way that you guys switch up the mics too. Like I know there was one episode I saw where like you, um, uh, I think Will was out of town or something, and you like stepped up and hosted or something. Yeah, I, those those are always fun. I I'm also very cognizant, you know, of my role as not just the producer but the second producer, and like the the show is always the the three guys, and I don't want to insert myself too much. I'm always happy to hop on the mic when I feel like I have something to say, like when we did the the Woodstock episode, and I'm like, well, I've thought about this for of Woodstock '99 for a thousand hours. I, I I can be on this this mic and give takes, but you know, whenever Will's not there and we just need a third mic, I try to hop in and corral people, and it usually ends up in a disaster because uh, <laughs> they, they do not respect my authority in moving the conversation along like Will does, yeah, or like they do to Will. But then, like. You know, you I'll see commenters be being like, "Well, Will or Chris has no control over these people." Is it's, it's <laughs> always a disaster when Will's not there, and I'm like, "I you you don't think that I don't know this, and I'm purposely doing making it go on or like not intervening on wild tangents to make this episode like crazy and will willless." You know, yeah, right. I I I know what's going on, uh, and that's. That is part of the flavor. It's a different flavor of episode because we're we've lost control because Will's not there, and it highlights how great Will is at running the show. Yeah, because like the yeah, because that one it's like the the story of that episode is like the editor stepped in and like yeah, they yeah. it can't control Felix talking about he keeps talking about Dark Souls, but then like yeah. Matt Matt who who's who kept keeps getting annoyed at those references now like he gets the references and he actually plays Dark Souls like it's just like the way that, that I love how from episode to episode it started off so serious and then like as you move along. And as it's became more of just the three of them, it's mm-hmm. um, there's a lot more of um, a lot more riffing, which I like. I, I again, I always appreciate trying to do more elaborate things or more focused in depth things, like the the nine eleven episodes that we did last week. Uh, but you know, as long as long as they're making each other laugh, I know it's going to be a good episode. Yeah, I agree, and I think it should be the same with our podcast. Uh, yeah. actually, you know what I mean? Because because there's episodes where we very uh, highly structure it, and I really go and edit it. And then there was another episode where like I had to get on a plane. Um, and I had like four hours of sleep, so I just like released it unedited. I was like, I don't give a fuck. Who cares? You haven't look. You you're not a true podcast editor until you've edited podcasts on a plane, which I've done oh, more times than I care to admit. <laughs> really? Oh yeah. I mean, when we, we like travel for Chapo tours and like, I I don't have any other time to get it out. Um, I, I I've edited at least a half dozen or so podcast episodes on planes. Damn, this is really it, it sucks. It, I hate doing it, but I <laughs> will do it to get the content out on, on time. Pro Tools doesn't need internet, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was gonna say it, it's such a it's such a funny thing to to be editing a podcast on a plane, just like, <laughs> it, next to like sucks. a mom. You know what it's, I mean? It's really it, the ambient the ambient sound on a plane is so fucking loud that it makes it so hard to hear anything i really just have to trust that i'm hitting the levels right yeah, for like <laughs> for your podcast that makes one hundred eighty thousand dollars a month like that's the craziest thing to me like 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 how do, you, how do you like step up to be the host or like or like just know how to edit this like to the point where it's like it really is this product that it's like it is worth that much seriously it is I, i'll tell you what I, f- I feel fortunate that the first i don't know 50 episodes of the show let's call it the pilot 
episode chunk of the show sounded like shit uh, because then I can always at least in my mind fall back on that having bad audio is a core value of the show. Um, so when I get clean audio from all the hosts, when they know how to use their mics, when they've got them all plugged in right, um, it, it, I think I do a good job of making everything sound nice and crisp and clear and really good quality. Sometimes something happens that I can't even understand and somebody, somebody's audio sounds like shit and I just have to make it work. But you know what? Then I get to rely on, you know, uh, from the episode one, at least one person always sa- sounded terrible. So it's it's part of the show's DNA. At this point, I'm trying to do everything that I can, especially since we adapted to recording entirely remotely. I mean, up until March of last year, we did every almost every episode entirely in person. Like, we right. just all went to Way easier. House. Way easier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, other than that, you have to go someplace. Uh, yeah, but, you know, just all sit around. I can ride the levels the entire time from the from behind the, the producer booth. Um, not the booth, but you know, like the Zoom or whatever recording. Producer, uh, armchair, armoire, whatever you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> whatever you're at. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, since we've gone mobile, it's uh, harder for me to control what's going on on each person's setup. So I just have to kind of trust that their shit's working and make a backup. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Believe me, I, I think about how how if it's up to me, I, I want it as professional as possible. But again, we are, we are in the end, all uh shit posters, audio shit posters. And so when it doesn't, when it doesn't work, you know, Hey, it's all part, it's all part of the experience. It's all part of the show, baby. As uh, that lady said, in little Mickey, but uh... well, <laughs> you know, I feel like 2020 was the year of shit posting becoming like, like a legitimate form of like, you know what I mean? Like art or like media <laughs> or like criticism. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think if everybody's like just trapped in the in their house, it does kind of break a barrier of being like, you know, I don't, I'm just here and nobody's doing anything, and I'm not doing anything, so why don't I just like jam something out and put it online and see if it resonates with anybody? Yeah, it's interesting uh, that you mentioned that, Eve, because we actually did an interview. Have you ever heard of Taylor Lorenz, a New York Times reporter? I yes, I've I've met Taylor. I met Taylor Lorenz at a wedding right before. Uh, really? Yeah, right before. Um, quarantine like uh, january 2020 and I, i'm familiar with her, her work yeah she um she posted recently a um, new york times article about um shit posting pages uh like gen z meme pages essentially and she mm-hmm. name dropped like all these people that we follow and stuff like that and like that i that i engage like i re- repost on the page all the time so that's how we actually ended up meeting up because i wrote an article about them and then a week later unbeknownst to me she dropped an article mm-hmm. from the new york times and it was like crazy because i was like i was like wow this stuff really is going like like mainstream like it really is like uh they really are printing uh this and a blunt and r.i.p claro and joan of arca in print in the new york times for my grandma to read <laughs> the the were the grape juice boys mentioned in that <laughs> no <Nah>, they're <laughs> probably before no, they're more corporate they're more yeah they're more they're more corporate uh those kind of entities or whatever but the ones i, I mentioned that they're always getting banned they're all basically like 20 21 year old girls yeah. like, uh, uh and they just post text posts like about yeah. like uh you know ambient or some shit like <laughs> they're, they're crazy um yeah i mean i think i i you know part of that stuff you know the the fascination of like a new york times tech desk or something is in like you know the the general like Gen Z safari of being being like how wacky are these kids? But I do think <laughs> yeah. that it is like it is also that people are using these tools that we've been given 
uh, like Instagram for and trying to like push what it could possibly be. Can a page just be like a, a you know, a, a, can a post just be a text post of absolute nonsense uh, that you personally just think is funny? Is that going to get people attracted to it? Is it going to resonate with other people? Can it be this like, you know, weird virtual mini magazine that you guys are putting together? I And, you know, I, I the more you can like, with any piece of technology, the more that you can like push it until it's like past breaking and still make it, you know, quote unquote work, it's, it, you're going to make it more interesting. Yeah, agreed. Um, and uh, just moving on to a couple more topics, because we are kind of like uh, sort of running out of time. I don't know how much time you have uh, for the rest I of the day. I a little longer. All right, cool. Um, I wanted to just uh, go to two different topics. Uh, edit this, edit this. Um, so we've been, you know, uh, having a pretty good summer over here. And I know that you actually went to Chicago for Riot Fest. I did. And uh, I went to Pitchfork actually uh, in Chicago the week before, which is really interesting. Um, I wanted to just talk about your experience there. Uh, live concerts post pandemic. Um, notice any changes or uh, any of that? And on top of that, like, who was just like your favorite person that you saw there? Um, yes, it is good to be back at festivals. Uh, Molly and I love going to music festivals. Uh, I am a big fan of them. I feel like they get uh, unfairly maligned in uh, in the in the public a lot. They seem to be something that weirdly makes a lot of people very angry. Um, I mean, in in earlier this summer, like the La Palooza was causing people to freak out, which I think is maybe a little more, uh, you know, understandable, given that we are coming out of this this massive pandemic. But it's a aided not just the freak out of a large public gathering, which appears to be safe. They put out a, a uh, the city of Chicago put out like a press release the week after La Palooza, or the two weeks after that, there seemed to be no spiking covid from the from the festival which made me and molly more comfortable feel more confident about going to riot fest in general uh there was vaccine testing there but it's something that's not just a big public gathering but it's like a music festival like how dare all these people want to be outside with people seeing live music a very popular smoking marijuana together <laughs> like how could that even be fun to be like there's that that certain strain of music festival criticism that always i don't know irritates me uh but riot fest was great um it's a little bit older than most music festivals are certainly like the crowd that pitchfork goes after uh more like gen x late millennial bands a lot of the like punk bands that had their heyday in like the early 2000s or like you know smashing pumpkins close night which i'll get to it was great um and the people seem to be very 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 happy to be there very joyous uh maybe a few people going a bit too crazy uh the be you know the first time getting back to be able to do one of these things but all the bands seemed ecstatic to be playing in front of people again um very positive vibes all all around uh all the music that i saw was really good uh the facilities were mostly pretty good pretty long food lines but you know there's always got to be like one thing that's irritating it that sucks yeah (laughs) but other way otherwise the stages were good spacing was good flow was good bathrooms were good uh drink lines were virtually non-existent so uh overall i give riot fest probably like a a minus all right, nice. Yeah, cool. Hey, we got the grade. Nice. We got the grade, yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say the highlight was almost certainly the Smashing Pumpkins, a band that I it, I didn't like dislike, but I never certainly got like very specifically got into. Um, 
you know, I never really had somebody, you know, at the right age or something being like, take the Smashing Pumpkin CD and like listen to it. Mm-hmm. But they were great. Billy Corgan looked amazing. Uh, he looked like a uh, a dark jester or um, honestly kind of looked like Lord Varys from Game of Thrones, like a, a beautiful <laughs> silk robe and like bald with like uh, um, uh, like. Uh, white face paint on to like pale himself um he seemed like he was having a great time and i think the thing that impressed me most about their set was the variety of it like they they can from any given song they can go from like basically sounding like new order to sounding like new metal to sounding like a 70s like psych rock band to grunge to like power ballads um, while all maintaining that like essential smashing pumpkinsness, and then the guitar solo is fucking ripped. So I mean, they were great. Yeah, no, I can I can see them being really cool. Um, I, have, did did you see Patty Smith there at all? We did see Patty Smith. Hell she yeah! Okay, great. I saw her two days ago. She fucking ruled. She was I, amazing. Yeah, I never I never got into her music. Just just again, like you were saying, I never I never had the conversation where somebody was like, listen to horses, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she was playing a free concert in the city. And I was like, might as well go. The line was crazy long, but I, everybody was sitting down. So I was able to jump over people. And uh, I've been taking a lot of pictures recently. So I got some pictures of her and uh, she was so much better than I thought she would be. She's fucking off the wall. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, with somebody in that, you know, generation or place, you know, like, you know, they'll have the songs, you know, they, they, the the songs are there because she's a legend. But then you're like, OK, so what what is like the level of this performance going to be like how much energy, how much honestly investment are you going to f- feel from them but you know she she was completely out of 10 the entire time she was i think i saw you mention this she was like funny and and sarcastic and um you know witty between the sets and then during the songs themselves energy was at a constant 10 uh my man lenny k was was there Ooh. as always playing a uh, guitar with her in her band um i'm a, I'm a big k head over here uh so yeah she was awesome yeah she she ruled um and the last question with as in regards to riot fest i wanted to ask did you see slipknot or mgk or neither both oh Um, okay oh we watched about 10 minutes or we watched about like 20 minutes of mgk through his paramore cover and then head over and watch like 20 25 minutes of slipknot um they you know i was honestly very ready to be I, I my heart was open to MGK. I was like, everybody makes makes like everybody like writes this guy off, but he's like he's coming out with this like rock, basically as like a rock guy now, um, and I'm re- I'm ready to be impressed by what he's trying to do to trying to do here, and not just be like this guy's a fucking clown or a joke or whatever. Um, and wouldn't say it was terrible. Wouldn't say it was it was great. It was like I don't know, Blink One Eighty Two by way of the Killers with like a more emo edge is basically his sound yeah i got you it's funny because we actually started this page <laughs> just hating on oh, mgk yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. it was a unifying topic because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were all in agreement because because it was with pitchfork because we actually started off as anti-pitchfork that was like our page or whatever oh, okay sure. yeah because they gave because with the grade systems they gave um 21 savage and mgk the same grade and i was just like no i'm like <laughs> no <laughs> yeah i mean i <laughs> I I I guess what I'm saying I'm ready for my heart. I was ready for him to be entertaining with what. Oh yeah, no, yeah, no, no, dis, no, dis to you at all. I just want. I just thought it was funny. No. Yeah, uh, no, I to- I totally. It's a canon that as well. 
And honestly, before he did this rock album, I, I like you know, as a my first understanding of him was a rapper with an obscene and inexplicable Netflix deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, seriously. Like, yeah. Uh, and from that perspective, how does he keep like, winning? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and from that perspective, I I was like, look at this clown. But then you know, he came out with the rock album. I feel like okay, this feels like more your zone, and I'm ready for you to be good at this. And I'm also always ready because everybody's fucking always like. Rock is dead. Uh, rock is over. Nobody does rock anymore. I'm always ready to be like, oh, actually, there are plenty of people making rock music. And look, this guy's coming out with a rock album, and maybe he's good at it. Yeah, Eve Toomer. Uh, Eve Toomer fucking rules. Yeah. You ever hear of Eve Toomer? Uh, no. Haven't heard of them yet. Y-V-E-S and then Toomer, like a like a tumor. I mean, maybe I've heard of that. Eve's, yes, I know I know them. Eve's Toomer, but yeah, I've, I've heard of yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, them. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the best performance I saw at Pitchfork. Um, Just fucking nuts. Just like... <laughs> Just like a devil, like in in like a seventies rock uh, uh, aesthetic, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just coming into the yeah. crowd, just screaming at people. They uh, he was just uh, just unbelievable. Yeah, and yeah, when people say rock is dead, I was like, no, the solos are too good. Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, coming all the way back around, people say rock. If anybody's telling me rock is b- dead in this September of twenty twenty one. I'm gonna send them brutal by Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs> <laughs> this is real rock. This is. That is that is a rock song. I'm sorry. That is a rock song. Mm. Mm. Um, okay, so it was, it was funny when like oh, I saw my ex and she was like telling me she disagreed with our Olivia Rodrigo review. And she's like into pop punk, and I was like, you know, I I, I definitely I see what people are saying about this artist. So I, I feel you, Chris. I feel you. <laughs> Uh, and and just along those lines, we're actually, I mean, I can't believe we're doing this. I'll barely have the energy to get through, but we're actually going to one day of Governor's Ball here on Sunday. Oh, nice. Uh, Me too. Oh, nice. oh really? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll, I'll see you there. We'll meet up. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm looking along the same lines, and this is one of the, um, you know, um, along the same, same lines, I'm going in with my heart open to allow Post Malone to impress me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. I'm excited. You know, yeah. he's not bad. He's not bad. Uh, I mean, I, the guy has, for a guy with a what a three year career, he's got like almost a full set of number one singles, which is outrageous. So it's like at, at least I'm gonna recognize almost every song he plays. And I don't know if you caught that um his like Nirvana cover stream from early in quarantine. Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. so good. I really yeah. like that. He fucking ripped doing those Obama song or no, Obama uh, Nirvana. <laughs> Obama. <laughs> Sorry, Obama. I'm editing the president's episode, the 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 president's podcast episode about Obama right now. It's all good. Uh, uh-huh. uh, those, he ripped doing those Nirvana songs. He could play guitar. Uh, he could do like actually do the performance. So I'm like, I'm I'm ready for him to prove that he is a a, a for real rock star this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same, same man. We'll we'll see. We'll see. You know what I mean. Uh, yeah. Part of it, I'm going to be going there uh, like doing photography, just like by myself. Uh, I was unable nice. to get a press pass, but I did rent a really good camera that has good zoom. So nice. I'm going to get some, yeah, I'm going to get some good pics. Post Malone is going to be hard getting close to the stage, so I'll probably just yeah. nix it for that uh, part of the performance. But um, if you have a little bit more time, we can, we can talk about this Chet Hanks video. But if you got to go, it's okay. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Chet Hanks. Yeah, headed to the bank. Look, uh, uh-huh. I be on my two-step, yeah, West Coast with it, yeah. 
Bitch, you know we do the most with it, yeah Riding clean as if it coast in it Hit it once, then I'm ghosting it, look Damn. I was hooking up with this chick. One day, she was on the phone with her family in Jamaica, and she was really in the middle of a heated conversation. Tell that pussy cat girl, me know what? I really had no idea what the fuck she was saying. <laughs> and her friend said, "Fill me a picnic in the car with me, so I can chat." I'm like, "Wow, wow." So wait, break that down. So she, and so then I just started. She started breaking down a lot of shit. I'm like, "How do you say this, Jano Star? How do you say that? Oh, like seven. Oh, oh, oh." She was just telling me how to say different shit. So I got for like a, a week, like I was really on a Jamaican tip. And uh, that just happened to be the week of the Golden Globes. <laughs> oh man. So perfectly edited. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So first impression so far yeah. from your, uh, your, your, uh, uh, <laughs> the alma mater graduate, whatever. Honestly, I you know I'm not gonna defend Chet Hanks, but it does kind of give me at least some sympathy to hear him uh, explain explain this of like with the sincerity of a guy trying to like pick up a foreign language basically uh, from a, from a friend who speaks it uh, and not just like he 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 wasn't doing what I assumed that he was doing, which was like listening to a bunch of dancehall music right before he got it on Instagram Live or something. Yeah, he's like dating somebody and like probably wants to get in, in touch with her culture, but just like a little bit too much. Yeah, exactly. To give him the biggest benefit of the doubt, he it comes from a place of like trying to make a sincere connection with another person. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, this video! Did you see this video too when it went viral? This shit is so fucking funny. Let me play this. Tune in. I turned my phone uh, on. Uh, totally viral. Yeah, that's Chet, you guys. I am shook and frankly, hella confused. Oh God, no, hella. That's a, that is also a very funny clip of somebody also honestly in their own way using a very inauthentically using a patois. Oh yeah, of a of a of a, a sort. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, true, true. The whole shook thing. Yes. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Honestly, I didn't yeah. even think about it like that. I know, yeah, like online blackface. That's a whole conversation. Yeah, yeah like, bro, I'm honestly shook for real. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this is <laughs> this is Entertainment Tonight reporting that Chet Higgs has had a major bra moment. <laughs> He's had several. He's had several, and uh, he's had he had a speaking of he had a pretty crazy bro moment this summer with uh, with White Boy Summer, uh, you know. And since we we're both going to music festivals, having a good time, you know what I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. all, perfect, perfect theme, perfect time for this episode. Uh, he's going to talk about that a little bit. Let's get into White Boy Summer. What is White Boy Summer? White Boy Summer is me. Booyaka, booyaka. White Boy Summer is fun, inclusive. I'm not talking about like Trump, uh, you know, NASCAR type white. I'm talking about, you know, you know, me. Yeah, he's uh, a lineup, bro. Jack Harlow. What do you say? He's a lineup, bro. Yeah. He's different. <laughs> he's a white boy with a lineup. He went to the barber shop, yeah. <laughs> Jack Harlow. White boy summer is love. It's about the white boys that love black queens. It's the white boys that are tuned into the black girl magic. Oh 
my god. <sighs> the the funny thing is that I remember when this first happened. I don't know when this is like in uh, May or something, and like people were. It was very goofy, but people were ready to like somewhat ironically accept the concept of of White Boy Summer uh, in the same way that people like now post dudes rock about every everything. Like shout out to episode one for originating that concept. But it, again, a thing that needed to fill a void of like the kind of concept of like I don't know goofy positive masculinity of which run around like, with your boys, but it's like kind of yeah. a little bit ironic. Yeah, but it's but it's it's fun and it's good na- natured and stuff like that. And I think people were like a little willing to accept this as like kind of an ironic concept. Uh, and then like two days later, he was like, Oh, also I'm against the vaccine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> everybody was like, Oh, come on. Yeah. 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 I'm just going to let you get away with psych. This. Um, <laughs> yeah. psych. No, the, see the thing with like Chet Hanks, like, like he comes off like, like, like I remember like first seeing the white boy summer. I'm like, wow. Like, like, I'm like this is weird. And then I kept watching. I'm like, wow, he's actually like sincere. He's actually wants to make this a thing. I'm like, okay, I can maybe get behind that. But then he just like does like some stupid shit where like he just like has like, a thick Jamaican accent being like, I'm not getting vaccinated. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It gets harder, harder and harder to see like the humanity and like the like the you know what I mean? The um, sincerity in what he's doing when yeah, he, he just makes such a fool of himself. <laughs> he's like he does have the thing where, you know, you want to see him as like a good natured dumb guy. Uh, but it is just this roller coaster of any time he like builds up even just a, a little bit of goodwill. It's like the next day. It's something that that's like, oh, come on, dude. Yeah, it's the nature of the dumb guy because the dumb yeah, guy exactly. is it, it's ignorance is bliss. He's not looking at the news. He doesn't care about any of this stuff. So he's just doing his thing. And if if some people perceive it as good and want to write a good thing piece about it that week, cool. The next week he wants to talk about the vaccine. He doesn't give a fuck. He's just yeah. riding his motorcycle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like doing doing burpees, like doing push-ups and shit. Like yeah, talking yeah. to black queens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he had a good summer. I'm sure he did. But um, the the, the next clip w- uh, is where it kind of all ties into even your podcast. Like when you were talking about Metallica uh, and uh, and like kind of seeing like the uh, the individual personalities and kind of feeling sympathy for like even like billionaire or millionaires rather. Uh, in certain in certain certain situations, I feel like this is an interesting one because he kind of shows like uh, a little bit of a little bit of himself with this next clip that I'm going to play. I'm literally making a conscious effort now to not think or, or give a fuck at all not this about part. what these people are, are possibly saying or talking about, and then that kind of created a whole different beast. It's like people like I'll be getting a ha- like this last week. I'm like getting a haircut, and my barber's like, dude, so. uh so you're Tom Hanks' son, huh? Are you really Tom Hanks' son? Tell your dad to come in here. And it's like, yeah, dude, for sure. You actually think I'm going to tell my dad that? That's, what, that's the kind of shit me and my dad talk about? But, but people are so oblivious, dude. They don't even stop to think about how many billions of fuck, billions of times have people told me that. You know what my favorite movie of your dad's is? And I'm like, what? What? You know what? Forrest Gump. Oh shit! This that's how- <laughs> yeah, so I think that's really interesting. Like, like he's just getting this lineup, and every single time they have to add, be like, "Yo, your dad is Woody, bro." Like, <laughs> I mean, again, I have a bit of sympathy because I'm sure that's fucking annoying. And look, everybody has their own like relationship with their dad, and to have it be have to be with that huge of a public figure, where people are going to be like, "Hey, next time you talk to your dad, uh, tell him about this barbershop. And I'm like, you don't know what I fucking talk to my dad about, dude. You know? Yeah, yeah. Why would I talk to? Why the fuck would I talk to my dad about that? You think that's but what I talk again, to my dad about? 
that's the double-edged sword of celebrity is that you have to just be nice about those kinds of things. Yeah, true. Otherwise, you're going to end up in the paper, like, assaulting yeah. your barber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. just, you know what I mean? <laughs> Spoiled rich kid Chet Hanks assaults barber after, like, nice <laughs> compliment towards his dad or something. Right, right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much the whole video. I mean, there's a freestyle at the end. We don't have to watch that. You know what I mean? You can watch that <laughs> in your own time. Uh, the bars are, eh, you know. <laughs> he's not the most talented uh, rapper of all time, but, you know, he's a, he's a cool guy. And Chet, if you're listening, we'd love to have you on the pod. We'd be willing to pay... 2k to have you on the pod not five you know we can raise 2k not yeah. five <laughs> uh I, I wish him the best and i hope that he he eventually figures out what his thing is that really works for him yeah right exactly and yeah and without the patois he did get signed to soldier boy records though so oh okay. really big up wow. big up tune in as he says um <laughs> <laughs> to quote chad hanks yeah to quote tom hanks and castaway tune in <laughs> but uh i think that about does it for the episode uh, unless you guys uh troy or eva or chris if you have any uh last uh last words before we end uh, any final words for me <laughs> kill you. Uh, i mean i i hope i didn't talk to talk too much on this i always look i i relish and i'm always flattered by the invitation onto another another person's pod and it's it's uh, you know vampire like i feel the door open to give all the takes that have been simmering in my mind uh over yeah over over the last you know few months so i really appreciate you guys having me on this has been a lot of fun and again as i talked about i really like what you're doing on instagram and uh i will continue to smash that uh like button smash that mf like thank you i understand like thanks (laughs) thanks for coming on yeah man i really appreciate you coming on man this is awesome thanks guys yeah, big Chapel fan, big Obama fan, so I'll be I'll be tuned into that episode, or sort of. <laughs> I'm a well, I'm more of a fan of the meme than of the man. That's, that's what I'll say. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, for for anti podcast, I don't know what episode this is. I always say the wrong fucking episode. I think this will be thirty uh, four. It'll be thirty three. Oh. The Mia Madden episode oh, that, that yeah, I did yeah, yesterday yeah. will be thirty three because I have that edited already. So thirty. This will be thirty four. So tuning out. Thirty four. Yeah. <laughs> Peace, guys. Peace. Peace. <laughs> Goddamn, does it somewhere sitting on, on the carpet? Got at them ribs. And pussy, too. Before. I'm taking all I get and then I ask for more A different time is all I'm asking for